So when I have to speak uh, about India or Indian psychology or Indian thought, I find myself quite at a loss, like someone who is standing before a vast ocean, which contains within its countless rare pearls and jewels, out of which emerge mountain peaks one after another, and above which there are constellations and galaxies drifting. I do not know where to start, what to see, what to point out. <laughs> Each of them, each of the pearls is a priceless treasure, that I can say. Each of the mountain climb is a Herculean task, delightful and dangerous at the same time. Each of these galaxies that we see stirring in glimpse when we go through the pages of Indian thought or through the experience of it, attracts us with its luminosity, its vastness. But the risk is that we may reduce it to something very trivial, something very uh, small and narrow, like, you know, cramming a whole creation in, in a textbook. It can be done. Savitri is one such book where creation has been crammed into a book. But it's, um, it's very difficult. And sometimes it's risky. Because those, today we use the word Indian psychology, but they didn't give this word, they didn't give this term. And I have often wondered when I have gone into the corridors of, you know, psychological offices and they translate psychology, whenever it's done in Hindi, it's done Mano Vigyan. So the problem starts from there because psychology itself doesn't mean actually... Um, knowledge of the mind or understanding the mind and behavior. It doesn't mean that. If we take the root of the word, it comes from the soul, psyche. So when we translate it into Manovigyan, it changes the whole thing because it's not Manovigyan, it's Atmagyan. Manovigyan literally would mean that I understand the mind with the light of the mind. And Indian psychology starts from the premise that the mind does not have the light with which we can understand anything, either myself, creation, the forces at play, it, it cannot, it cannot solve, it can raise questions. That's there. Mind can have a quest. It can raise all sorts of questions. But it cannot find a definitive answer, an answer that can give us the final certitude. It can give temporary answers. But the definitive answer, as long as we remain on the same ground, to find the answer, we have to go one step beyond or one step deeper and there we have, that's why it's, it, then it would be Atma Jnana. Atma Jnana is not just the knowledge of the soul or the self within, the true self within, because there are many selves also, but looking at the world with the light of the self, in the light of the self. Which means that we cannot study Indian psychology from a book. This has been one of my biggest challenges. How do we study Indian psychology? We study it from life. That's how they began. Sometimes I wonder how these, these rishis and you know, today we sit here with modern technology and discuss how did they really arrive at this profound knowledge? What did they do? Yes, 
they the oral tradition was there much later it came much later but even in the tradition they say we heard about it from so and so so and so our forefathers have gone this way so the first thing necessary to read this book of life which all the time confuses us charms us attracts us and then <laughs> makes us feel low and high etc etc is to get the right light there are several kinds of lights which are available to us the one with which we are mostly conversant is the light of the mind light of reason and it's okay as long as we do not have any other light this light is fine we can start using it most of the time it's not used or used for all the wrong purposes in the sense to justify myself to give all kinds of excuses but this light is helpful light but the problem with this light is it illumines much less and leaves a lot more in the dark therefore every answer that we have from the mind raises more questions this is a typical thing you know and it's there in many interesting uh, narrations within the indian thought where you know question answer then you reach a point where you say no it cannot be answered the famous uh, dialogue between yagnavalk and gargi that you know what what is the fire what is the light so the first light other than the mind mind mental light is there with most of us only we have to learn to use it but the first light one authentic light which we have to light up to read this book called life is the light of aspiration and i think that's where we see in indian thought so much so many hymns dedicated to fire of course this fire i am not going into you know it represents the divine will etc but at least the fire of aspiration what is it that we want to really understand about life what is our seeking so aspiration is something very simple it's what are we really seeking through all this so people come and you know they come with host of questions and books etc they have read a lot and sometimes uh, you know people want to do phd research in indian psychology so i have a question to ask what do you intend to do after all this phd research so i'll not answer it directly but answer it through my interaction in rumtek monastery in um, in gangtok so i went there a lot of you know they are buddhist school with small little children and all of them are in that robe uh, buddhist robe and they are studying buddhist literature right from childhood very nice sweet children very well behaved very so such a nice sight so i happened to meet few of them and i asked so what are you doing what do you learn here said we learn buddhist thought we learn this that everything so i said okay what do you do after this say we we'll, we we'll learn meditation i said oh wonderful what kind of meditation then he said there are three levels first level level 2 level 3 so i asked him that you know he was a 14 year old child 14 15 so we can understand the uh, you know um, so i asked him ki okay um, what do you want you want to go up to third level he said yes i said but why so he his answer was what startled me so he said uh, you know if i do that there is a good chance that i may be able to go to america and be there in one of the monasteries as a teacher you know this is the big problem that we do our researches phd's everything ultimately for what <laughs> this is not what indian psychology is about 
Indian psychology is about a perpetual self-discovery. Why? Because it frees us. Who doesn't want freedom? Because it sets the truth within us free. It empowers us. Who doesn't want to be empowered? It gives us the joy that we seek. But always in life we find joy that is dragging sorrow at its feet. We are not happy with that. You know how many times we try, experiment, this, that. We chase illusions, rainbows, one after another. But at the end of it, it all crashes. So that's not what we are seeking. We are seeking for something more lasting, more enduring, more permanent, more stable. We are seeking a love that does not, you know, end up in tears and hate. So that's not what our seeking is. So first thing is to connect with our seeking. I think somewhere down the line we have lost this seeking. Because from childhood we are told about job and career and money and success. So seeking is lost. And without this seeking being rekindled, there cannot be a proper understanding of Indian psychology. It's, you know, the word itself is limited. It's about knowing oneself, understanding oneself, understanding the creation, understanding what things are and how they are. So this fire has to be lit. And what is the way to light this fire? And that takes us how to really read or enter into Indian psychology. Ordinarily we have a classroom setting where there is a teacher on Indian psychology who will come and teach as a subject and at the end of it there is a question and there, there is a degree. That's not how Indian psychology is taught. Indian psychology is taught through satsang. That fire cannot be lit in a class. This is a wonder. This is not a classroom, incidentally. This is a satsang. Because everyone who is here is a seeker. In some way or the other. Nobody has come here to get a degree or to get a... Seekers. So it's a satsang. It's in an environment which nurtures the aspiration in man. So how to read this? By finding... Those places, people, books that can nurture this Agni in us. Because, you know, uh, again I don't like the word Western and Indian, but let's say contemporary psychology, though not so contemporary psychology or let me say Freudian psychology, speaks a lot about repression and suppression. What has been suppressed? The animal in us. And civilization has developed by suppressing the animal in us. But there is something else more important which has been suppressed. And that's the one of the one among many, uh, as I said, priceless treasures. What we have suppressed is the divinity in us. And it stifles us. A lot of people suffer from this angst. I don't, don't know why. No. Yesterday I was speaking to a group of medical students over this Skype. And so typical. I am a doctor, role playing, so I go, I am, my dealing with the patient is a patient-doctor relationship, so I must check the pulse, do whatever is necessary, and at the end of it I get a pay packet. That's not what life is about. Life engages with everything with fullness. That's the beauty of it. That's the greatness of it. We don't engage with anything with our full being. We don't even know our full being. So there are people with whom we will engage intellectually. So if I am... I have to give a talk in a classroom. I must be just all here mental 
स्लाइड शो प्रेजेंटेशंस स्कॉलरली आर्टिकल्स माई हार्ट शुड नॉट स्पीक बिकॉज इट्स डेंजरस यूल बी लेबल्ड एंड ब्रांडेड यू आर अन स्कॉलरली आई मस्ट कोट सम लिटरेचर इज इन सो मच ऑफ एकेडेमिया इज लाइक दैट एज समबडी पुट इट वेरी ह्यूमरसली दैट दे आर टू साइड्स ऑफ द ब्रेन द लेफ्ट एंड द राइट द लेफ्ट हैज नथिंग राइट इन इट एंड द राइट हैज नथिंग लेफ्ट इन इट we don't want that situation we must engage with the whole being if i must engage with self discovery my whole being must engage with it whole being means not just my thought my feelings my passions my will even my body must engage with it and if i have found my soul my soul must engage with it with relationships human relationships not just between human beings humans and plants and animals sky and sea look how just to give a small little glimpse we have this um, incidents in everywhere but right now what comes to my mind is ramayana so rama has to cross the ocean so what does he do he he has good uh, engineers and scientists but before that he prays to the sea give me way i need to reclaim you give me way now what is what does it mean why why is he doing it it's so absurd no sea doesn't have a being because we have not found our being so we think nothing has a being because i live in a material mechanical view of life i feel everything is only material and mechanical it's my limitation that i impose upon things it's not the truth of things but if i discover myself the true self the divine self within me then i am in for something very astounding like a great discovery ah my individual self and the universal self are one nothing is non living nothing is without a soul everything throbs with a marvelous presence the same presence and here is the key i can find it here and through that key i can approach the world it has tremendous practical implications not philosophy in fact to turn it into philosophy is to limit it what is the practical implication well in my daily dealings with life yesterday someone asked a question over the mail what do i do when i am surrounded with people you know who are this and that we are always surrounded by people <laughs> you know who are this and that and whom we don't like and who trouble us and torture us and so on and so forth i am the only good guy in this world everybody else is bad you know and then it develops into paranoia and all kinds of things some people teach us no no everybody has defects i also have defects others you know so let's learn to accept no there is something still further we can go i have within me the divine presence so does everybody have within him the divine presence in some it is asleep in others it is awake in some it is blazing like a inferno in others it has grown into a full sun full orb of sun but stay at inside and when we approach life with that sense the great sense then everything changes how does it change we have again a story about the birth of ramayana so there is this man who is a totally um, you know vagabond not vagabond he is a robber murderer anyone remembers the name of this fellow yeah but before valmiki is ratnakar 
so he is uh, you know of infamous fame and whoever he catches he just wants to kill and get money so what kind of counseling do you do if such a person comes to you it's a challenge it's we have nice people coming so it's okay supposing a ratnakar came to us look i am very i am full of murderous instincts what do i do how do i handle this i do want to change somewhere but what do i do so as destiny walks sometimes in our life these sages walked and he caught them to get some money and they said okay you want money i'll i can give you money whatever little i have in my kamandalu but uh, you know those were days when rishis were not having huge bank balances and you know but i can give you this <laughs> i don't have a credit card but then uh, i want to ask you one question whatever you are doing why are you doing it is it for my family members oh yes can you ask them that this gori crime that you are doing they will share it the repercussions he said of course they will so go and ask why do you presume things look reason is being used why do you presume things lot of things we presume go and ask so he goes and asks and they say why should we it's your duty to feed us how you do it is your business if you kill you take the consequences if you earn by the labor of your hands you take the consequences so he comes a totally shaken man he said i have been killing all these things he says yes now you are on on track you are responsible for yourself first person you are responsible for is about yourself you see such a big lesson all the time you are responsible for everybody there is that this person oh if i do this this person will think like that that person will think like that we don't lead our own life at all where is our life lost in all this maze i am not saying one should become indifferent and callous no that's another state but there is a more luminous kind of understanding of this that i must discover unless i have discovered myself this is my first business then all my dealings with everybody will be flawed and faulty this is why it's not out of a selfish interest but i am dealing with things without knowing who i am and what is the nature of things so i touch fire and then it hurts and i say fire is bad fire is not bad it's the nature of fire that hurts translate the same thing into human relationship i approach people with desire and lust and i am hurt because it's the nature of lust and desire that it cannot be fully satisfied but i end up blaming this person so i go on to another person then i blame the second person then i blame the third person when i am 70 i say oh maybe it's the nature of things too late just too late maybe i should have worked upon it started much early that yes it's the nature of things so what do i do so that's how it starts so he says yes what do i do i never looked at it like this i am hurting myself my own true being before we hurt anybody else we hurt ourselves by suppressing this divine inside and he says you seek how do i seek he says take the name of god what name take ram he says i can't say ram i say i can only say mara mara yahi bol sakta hu ओके मरा 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 बोलो तो मरा 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 बोलते हुए राम 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 हो गया एंड यू नो ही रियलाइज दैट स्टेट द पॉइंट इज नॉट अबाउट राम और दिस दैट इट्स अबाउट द सीकिंग इज इम्पॉर्टेंट द मेथड इज नॉट इम्पॉर्टेंट दिस अनदर इम्पॉर्टेंट एस्पेक्ट विच आई फील यू नो बिकॉज वी नाउ हैव शॉप्स ऑन इंडियन साइकोलॉजी प्रैक्टिकल साइड टेक्निक्स एंड मेथड्स यू नो the fatter the money you give the more you feel ah this fellow 10000 rupees yeah must be good he'll teach you some breathing method some kind of stilling the mind 
you feel ah, it was very nice after that is is the same thing then he'll say no 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 there is another level of course second level how much is that worth for 20000 please it's a trap isn't it so obvious it's not the method it's not the technique read the upanishads throughout the vedas it's not about technique there will be some technique here and there read the gita there will be a technique here and there but that's not the important thing the important thing is the state aspiration technique without aspiration maketh man in asura ravana was all about technique of meditation and he became a full blown asura he had lot of powers so seeking and i think the most important thing is the seeking seeking is different from questions questions are in the mind and the mind is satisfied with the answer or not satisfied with the answer as the case may be but seeking is something which cannot be satisfied till it reaches its object it's like an arrow it's like a fire so seeking to be awakened and as i was saying it's the way is satsang feed this part this is suppressed we don't feed the psychic element so it's not like you know a 3 day 10 day seminar or workshop and this is just one kind of food so this food has to be given to the psychic flame within to the soul within if we don't give this food for whatever reason that oh i am in gurgaon and places are very far off or if i just sit before the television whole day i am watching all the news items at the end i become a cynic and see the world is you know every day in my office the newspaper comes which i have to give to somebody else so i pass on and i say don't worry everything is fine <laughs> world is the same story same uh, with a little bit variation so at some point you want to know what is behind all this what is the great purpose so this is how this flame has to be lit through satsang through books through people through places that was the idea behind and we have to engage with this seeking with our whole being it's not enough that the mind engages with it my heart continues its own old way my passion say no no i want to enjoy but for some time i'll read a holy book then it becomes a religion no everybody there are people who remember the gita fully from cover to cover it's not like a sunday church i go every sunday and you know do or sometimes people do no? catch their ears and dip five six times and all the sins are washed away it 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 doesn't it it's just fooling oneself it's a seeking where whole being has to be engaged it's a serious effort this why i said it's dangerous and is delightful it cannot be done in a half hearted manner it cannot be done in a state of ah oh, i have to do this no it's a joyous effort it should be joy like it's a full time occupation if you like it's not a preoccupation so this one part of it so what did they discover when they saw this oh my god you know it's like when you are in darkness and suddenly you light up a lamp you know in those days when there was still light was not there so i mean i'm not talking of those days before god said let there be light but those days 100 not even 100 years back my village didn't have light uh, just about 50 years back or 40 years back so at night if you would go out we would be very scared you know because there are no lamp posts sometimes you don't want to light a kerosene lamp and go out you know there may be a snake here there may be something else there may be a thorn somewhere but you somehow navigate through it and if you survive fine most of the time you learn the tricks you know how to pull the ropes many time when you would be hurt you want to find a solution what is that solution temporary solutions 
so in the morning you will sleep, sweep the place but by evening the whole kachara comes and you are back to square one there are always unexpected dangers you don't know yes you know so many snakes we used to see around the corner now you know how to get rid of this we have been doing this finding temporary solution if there is a thorn prick let me go and apply some bandaid take a tetanus shot all right it has its place and utility but light up the field nobody thought about it to light up the field but they thought way back even before there was possibly light of this kind they said the field must be lit and when they lit up the field they discovered my god what a giant ignorance that is the cause of all my issues i can't clean my house because there is no light i can't understand things because there is no light i catch hold of somebody's hand somebody's rather ear and i think i am catching the hand and the person winces and is angry and i feel no oh, but i only held your hand to help you the person says no sir you held my nose and my ears we do that no all the time in our communications without realizing it why because of ignorance i don't see where the hand is and where the nose is it's an everyday experience of life so the first thing is to light up this field and we discover it's in real disorder chaos centuries of dirt what not piled up so what do we do we start cleaning the field there are many useful things also there it's not an easy task it's a long process and there they discovered that to clean the field you have to enter the field you can't do it from you know stand here and take a broom so when you enter the field they discovered that there are three possible currents of nature which you can employ to clean the field or we can say three water hoses which you can throw on the field one is current which is very dark and heavy we toxic so if you put that kind of water to clean it's more like thick crude oil it makes it slippery it doesn't really clean anything it's very toxic after some time you feel yourself sleepy you get tired and you just lie down and you begin to so that current which makes us dark and heavy which makes us love obscurity and darkness that's called tamas so this is if you are caught up in a tamasic state of nature then whatever you may say or do like you know children when they are largely in the physical vital consciousness you tell them beta urja subah ho gayi it's daylight no mama some more time let me sleep off it's only 10 o'clock okay wake me up at 11 11 o'clock no no we get some more time stamas what does tamas do tamas pulls things back disintegrates it tremendous disintegrating power so when we live by tamas whether it be a relationship based on tamas whether it be objects if i deal with them in a tamasic way whether it be my own life if i pursue it mechanically ritualistically tamasic without putting any kind of light in it it will lead towards disintegration if i eat food which increases tamas i'll fall ill that was the whole idea of fresh food and you know cooking it properly because it should not remain tamasic tamasic food like frozen food and uh, 
rotten food. So it makes you fall ill. It's tamas. It's the principle of disintegration. It has its purpose in nature because nature does not want everything in, in a present imperfection to live eternally. So it's the power of death if you want to use this word. It's the power that makes us live in our comfort zone and if you want to put an effort to come out, it will say, it's okay, chodo, you know, who will go? See how much challenges each one of us may have had to face just to come here. To, you know, sometimes the first thought is, really I want to go so far, it's okay. You know, maybe I can read something online. It's tamas. Tamas will not allow. It wants the easy way out. So what does nature do when we are in too much tamas? It forcibly pushes us out. And what do we react when this happens? We say, ah, who is this cruel titan whom people call God? He is so bad. He has pushed me out of my comfort zone. Isn't it? So we say he is a cruel monster. Or else we say my karma. Either because we don't want to, you know, we are decent people. We don't want to blame God for everything. After all, he may be a helpful guy. So we end up saying, oh, no, 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 it's not God's fault, my fault. But what is my fault? Again, tamas. Nothing to do with now. Some births back. So philosophy is developed to explain away our pain. But then what happens? If it is summarized back, you can do nothing about it, just go through it. But if you say the problem is here and now, then you can do something about it. What is the here and now problem? Tamas. I am refusing to step out of my comfort zone and its boundaries. You see how ladies used to suffer. Sometimes even here I have seen who ladies who are beaten by husbands, who are drinking, who are doing all kinds of things. And if you say, why don't you have the courage to, you know, take your life in your hands? No, no, no. Yeah, we can't think like that. It's impossible to think. Because at the end of the day, it's a comfort zone. You don't want to step out of the boundaries because life becomes too uncertain. But if you don't do that, you suffer. Police and these people will come later. They cannot liberate you. Unless you want to liberate yourself. It's your comfort zone you are trapped in. Your self-created bond. But nature will keep pushing you. So every third day there will be a brawl. Because behind it there is a divine wisdom working. Which is pushing us. Look further, look beyond, look yonder, look within, look deeper, something do. Don't stay in that comfort cocoon. So it pushes us and we call it suffering. But actually it's a blessing. So you know when this light is lit up, then the values get reversed. What we used to call suffering, we say, ah, it is grace. And what we used to call, ah, grace of God, we say, oh my God, what a bondage. Ordinarily, when we are in ignorance, if we have lots of money, we say, ah, now seven generations can feed on this. What a grace of God. I'll go to Tirupati and give a small amount to the deity there. But when we have the sight, then we say, my God, I am already drowned in this darkness. Now my seven generations will drown in it. My son will definitely be an income poop because he has all the money already provided. That's how he, you know, we begin to look at it. My God, what, what do I do? So we think that, well, let me use this wealth the right way. So not just, you know, keep it just 
enjoy, spend on my pleasure. So the whole value gets reversed. You see, what ignorance can do? We we think this is grace, which is actually a not grace at all, which is probably a punishment. You know, it's there in the Bible, and Mother speaks about it that it's more difficult to make a rich man turn to God than to make a camel pass through the eye of a needle. And then mother, when she gave a comment on this, she said, you know, my child, richness is a curse. Look at it, the values change. Richness is a curse because it traps us completely. Very difficult for, you know, people who are very rich to turn towards the divine. They are so happy. They don't want to, you know, lose whatever they have. They are very scared people, very insecure, deep inside. So look, the values get reversed. Then the next current of nature is rajas. That's what most of us like. We are driven by it, intensely driven by it. So it's like a very pipe where water goes with strong intensity. But what it does is it pushes the dirt on the other side and after some time it begins to come back to us. So rajas is that power of dynamism in nature which makes us reach out towards things but without knowing their right law. I want to grab, I want to get money and if I get it I am happy. So such a person strives but it doesn't know the true law of things. So it gets the object but loses the subject. What it felt it will get out of it, it loses that. So it brings pleasure and pain in its wake. And then there is the third current and that is called sattva. Where you live according to the law of things, you understand. It's the principle of balance and moderation. So this is one of the simple things, basic take-home points. You know, Buddha taught it, others taught, talked about it. That the minimum that we can do is to observe the principle of balance and moderation. An excess in any direction is harmful. It's such a simple thing. But Sattva also teaches us something else. It is that there is a right place for everything in life. Nothing has to be rejected. There is a place for fun. There is a place for rest. There is a place for labor and work. There is a place for meditation. There is a place for mama and papa. There is a place for wife and husband. There is a place for children. And if we know that, you know, what that place is, how do we deal with it? It's not yet the higher light, but at least it will avoid lot of issues in life. It's just because we don't know. Rajas will make us drive blindly towards career and what happens? We are suppressing other parts. My relationships go for a toss. The joy of my life goes for a six. I may get it. If I get what I am trying, I may be happy for some time. But then it's taken away. Whereas sattva will never go do like that. It will always go with balance. Alright, I have to study for my exams. Fine, I am studying for my PhD. I have also to take care of this and that person whom I love and cherish. And who love me and cherish me. I have to also be concerned about you know things happening around me. I can't close my eyes to that. So sattva is that principle of balance and moderation. So one of the great sutras they gave is cultivate sattva. A sattvic outlook. This is well within our reach. It's, it doesn't need really yoga. And that way, 
we find humanity in two different folds. One is gravitating towards sattva with its rajas. Second is uplifting towards sattva with its rajas. The same rajas can be of a very harmful kind pulling us towards tamas and the other rajas which is pulling us towards sattva. Effort is required for anything. So the one effort leads us towards Tamas. Oh, I'll get a lot of money, I'll have a nice house and will be comfortable. It's taking me towards Tamas. Another, let me make an effort. Uh, let me see what I can do with the money I have. Use it rightly. Sitting for meditation, that's an effort. Doing some practices for healthy living, that's an effort. So efforts which are of a kind which help me uplift towards Sattva. Let me read every day even if I don't understand. Scriptural study with a view to understand it, not to just memorize it. That's an effort. Self-mastery, it's an effort. Let me not just give in to my anger or justify it. Let me just try to exercise some control over it. Why? Because it is harming me. All these things, ill will, jealousy, fear, before it can harm others, it harms us. This is a simple thing we, you know, doesn't need really much to. So let me make an effort to overcome these things and it can be done very well within these limits of nature but then Indian psychology as we said went beyond it says what lies beyond this nature which is freed from the even sattva is an ignorance it's a I can tell you it's a, such a powerful bond of illusion long back I had read Sri Ramakrishna saying that you know we have these three bonds the iron which is like tamas Difficult to break. Rajas, which is like silver. You can break it with some effort. Sattva, which is golden. Easy to break, but you won't break it because you value it. What is that bond which is so difficult to break? After which we will... Which is created by Sattva. But if you don't break it, we don't go past it. What is that Sattvic illusion that binds us? You know, the sense of duty and responsibility. Very difficult to go. We are no more selfish people when we are in sattva. We we have a responsibility. You know, often we'll say, but I have my responsibilities. As someone has rightly said, you know, we think we have a big place in the world. Ultimately, it feeds our ego. Because the others say, ah, so nice. You know, put your hand, fist in water and take it out. How much time the gap will remain? That is the time that people will miss you when you are gone. It's a bond, very difficult to understand. The sense of duty and responsibility, which is a sattvic illusion. All these have their truths, a relative truth. They are necessary at a stage of development. To a person who is living only by ridges, you have to give this. But then when we begin to go beyond, then a labor starts. How do I go? I have no light. Duty is the highest light that I have. Then what, what am I supposed to do? You know, this is Arjuna's question. What do I do? It's my duty. Not I can't fight against my, you know, grandfather and all this. It's not right. So what do I do? So then comes the other light. He says, act always by the light of the soul. The divine will within us. Now, this is a big hiatus between where we stand and the divine will. And the key to that, which we see in Indian psychology very beautifully, is follow the line of your Sabhava and Swadharma. 
what is it that you are meant to express? See, so many women, particularly I see, having this angst. Why they are logged in this, looking after their family, cooking food and all this. Mother said at one place very strongly, I am against women cooking for men. Are they slaves? But then we make them slaves, no? And we are very happy and say, ah, this food is very good. That's the pay, pay packet at the end of the day. Do you want to really live that life? Or do we want to go deeper? What am I meant for? Yes, by all means, if cooking is my calling, by all means, yes, one must do it. Take the joy of experimenting with all kinds of food, provided people who eat, they like it. Most won't like it. But yes, then it's your expression of who you are. But if not, then pursue what you deep within feel yourself to be. If your partner, your parents understand you, very good. If they don't, well, walk the road alone. The road less travelled. So you see, now we begin to step out of even the sattvic nature and so difficult. Because even to take the lead of sabhava and swadharma and go by it. If you are a warrior, if you are a seeker after knowledge, by all means go. If there are people, you know, it's uh, now things are changing, it's so good. 20-30 years back, I used to see people coming from different places. They come to ashram and they don't bring their wives. They don't bring their, you know, as if they can't understand anything. They have to look after home. What are you doing? You have taken holidays and you are coming here. <laughs> Just a presumption. So, if deep within, the Sabhava and Swadharma will give us a lead. As I said, each of these priceless pearls is worth dwelling a lot upon, but I am just touching upon it. So, to feel inside, what am I really meant for? How to find it? Very simple. Two simple ways. One is, go back to childhood, before the distortion of civilization came in, telling us, you must do this, you must do that, you need money, you need career. <laughs> Child doesn't need all that. There is things which make us naturally happy. As child, if we go, you know, there are children who love to read. There are children who love to dance. There are others who are very good with their speech. There are others who are born leaders. Go back and see that state of childhood before that distorting influence of teachers and parents and society came in. And you will get some hint of this Sobhava, Sodharma. I am using these words interchangeably. They, are, they have their distinct meanings. Or else, look within and ask this question. What am I here for? There must be some place for me. Which the divine has marked out. What am I doing? Which means not to be satisfied just with the way life is going on. That is tamas. It's a tamasic satisfaction. Not to be confused with the higher contentment. Tamasic satisfaction is okay, chalta hai. You know what is chalta hai? One of the common phrase. Chalta hai. Ah, it's okay. Now I am, you know, it starts with, I am 30, I'll see later on. Then at 60, you say, now I am 60. <laughs> what is there? I can't change. We should say, nahi chalta hai. Nahi chalna hai, aise nahi chalna hai. So take the lead of your life through the Sabhava and Sudharma. This is a leading, go within. There is still greater leading. That is hinted in the Gita towards the end. Still greater leading. But this is a good enough start. And that greater leading is Sarvadharman Parityaja Mamekam Sharnam Raja.
that still greater leading is the divine presence within. Refer everything to the divine. This sense of, I just wonder if even if nothing else was there, just this idea that there is behind this creation and within me a wonderful luminous presence and I am a portion of that changes my self-identity. It's a great gift. We live by false identities. Who is my, you know, take a small little example. You know, a child identifies himself with his parent, later with his surname, then with his caste, mohalla, God knows, religion, village, etc., etc. All these are limited identities. But imagine for one moment that you are surrounded with great difficulties and at that point you remember, I am a child of the divine. See what will happen to you. The real story, just a few days back I came to know about somebody who was a major in the Bangladesh war. And you know, that Mukti Vahini was there and all that. And so, the Pakistani army had penetrated very deep into their spies, you know. There was a major, there was within the Bangladeshi army a Pakistani who had posed as a Sardar and even risen to the rank of officers. So whatever he would want to communicate to the Indian army, this fellow will say, yeah, yeah, I'll communicate, but communicate to the... It happens in war and it's not that he was doing something bad or wrong. It's, he was doing for his country and fair enough. Every country does that and they would be bombed. So this man at one point of time was in a trench caught up in this crossfire and he wanted to convey through the radio and this man said, I'll convey through the radio, Don't you don't have to. So and then he obviously conveyed the army position, their positions and there was shelling and the next moment when he looks he sees all around him everybody is dead except this man. Injured very badly, he doesn't know what to do now. So then his eyes went onto the radio set which was there. So he tried to contact and he says for a change in one moment it suddenly got connected to Bagdogra Air Force Base, you know, where the fighter planes are there. And he could just communicate, look, you know, this is what happened, this is my position, all our information is going, we badly need the help of Air Force. If you go into the history of Bangladesh war, you will see these things, not from this man's perspective, but this actually happened. After that he said, anyways, I am going to die, my job is done, through it, totally thirsty, doesn't know what to, what to do next and he is sinking. Just then he suddenly, his bunker is filled with light and he sees a lady appear there who tells him, I am there, do not worry. And then he faints off. All that he sees is light, this lady who says, I am there, do not worry. And he faints off. I would say rather he slept off because when you have such a great assurance, Next he opens his eyes, he's in an Indian army hospital and the then Prime Minister has come to visit him and take him to Delhi. He didn't know what's happening. He had another interesting incident when he is during the war. This was the final culminating point when he was, you know, going here and there and very hungry and not knowing what to do. He thought better to jump off the cliff. And he hears a voice from behind, you will give your life only for food? Changes. It's much later that he discovered that the great lady was none else but the mother, all the way in the trench. 
Now we won't always have this kind of a marvelous experience. He was in a real crisis moment. He came. Now, of course, he came to the ashram and before coming here, he made a center in Siliguri and looked after the center. That's a different story later on. We may not always. Not everybody will have that marvelous experience. So wait for that. Because to wait for that means we have to go through all that which preceded. But at least we can live with this faith. It's a tremendous power that we miss in our life. Nobody is anath. We have these strange words have come. Orphans, orphans. Even Shakuntala, born under a tree, under a bird, Shakun, guarding over the child of destiny, becomes the great empress of what we call today is India. Nobody is orphan. There is a divine presence watching over us. What do we need is faith and will. That's why when clients come, one of the things that I always try to feel is will. Is the will intact? No. Okay, will is not intact. Is the faith intact? Okay, faith is not intact. Is hope there? If hope is also not there, then it's very dangerous. You are on the brink. In fact, in some of us, maybe psychological counsellors, and we know that when we assess a client for suicide, I think there is a talk. One of the factors is hopelessness and helplessness. That's like you are really on the brink. Hope, faith, will are our powers. We don't develop it. Equanimity is a way of life we can practice. We don't develop it. Suddenly it won't develop. You know, in a crisis moment. We have, this must become a way of life. God's name is the biggest of all powers. But we don't care about it. And if we got into this habit, it's a simple way. I'm saying now this is going beyond sattva. It doesn't matter. Then the rules and laws and frameworks begin to change. What is fine at sattva, doing your duty, has no more meaning for somebody like Meera. She is on a different frequency. In other words, there are two kinds of, if I may use the word, levels at which we can play the game of life. To summarize, one is in the field of ignorance, by the law of ignorance. And if we wish to play there, then at least let us play it in a sattvic way. At least we will evolve and we will be little more happy, balance, moderation, more harmony, put everything in its own place. That's one level, level one. And the next level is playing it with knowledge. Knowledge is not mental knowledge, obviously, not book knowledge, but knowledge of the self within and the self in everything. Then the game changes, the rules change. Then it's no more duties and responsibilities for which I am bothered, but to do the divine will in the world. What matters to me is, am I, you know, this very interesting thing. And mother gives one of the sutras, there are many sutras, where she says, we are not here to please ourselves. This sattvic people understand. Yes, we are not here to please ourselves. We are not here even to please others. Very difficult to understand. What are we here for? We are here to please the Lord. Not through hymns and prayers, but by doing His will in the world. Now if we start living by the divine will, then things change. Rules of the game change. The consequences are taken away by the divine. That's why he says, if you do this, 
सर्वधर्मान परित्यज्या मामिकम शरणम व्रजा अहम तो आज सर्व पापेभ्यो मोक्षिष्यामी मासुचा देन आई टेक योर बर्डन ऑन इट्स नॉट लाइक एनीबडी सेज ओके आई आई डू बज गोविंदम एंड आई एम फाइन नो इट्स नॉट लाइक दैट इफ लाइक अर्जुना वी से आई एल डू द डिवाइन योर बिडिंग इन द वर्ल्ड इट डजेंट मैटर लाइक मी लाइफ हैव टू वॉक आउट आई वॉक आउट और लाइक अरुंधति एंड अनुसूया आई हैव टू लिव एंड टेक केयर ऑफ द हाउस होल्ड आई विल डू दैट बट लेट मी नो वट इज योर बिडिंग देन द लाइफ बिगिन्स टू चेंज एंड ए न्यू लॉ ऑफ लाइफ बिगिन्स टू इमर्ज एज ब्यूटिफुली पुट इन शोरबिंदोस पोयम देन ऑल डिस्क्लोजेस द डिवाइन बिलवेट देन लव इज बॉर्न विच रीमेक्स अवर लाइफ then the fire grows into the sun and all is illumined above and all lit below then we have the power which can shake the hills and it's not a joke it can shake the hills it can make time stop it can do the impossible and i am telling you with all responsibility seen it happen the most impossible things can happen not because oh i want it happen not like a display of miracles because you are in contact with that power which is at the root of the worlds so if you are doing something if you are living a life dedicated to the divine will to the divine discovery then spontaneously automatically we grow into the likeness of the one whom we love by thinking of the divine by loving the divine by wanting to serve the divine that wisdom and power and delight of the divine begins to become our constant companion then sorrow leaves away from us why because who will feel sorrow when delight is all the time accompanying us so this is another way to live another law of life and as i said it's endless we can just stop here if there are any questions we can take we have 5 10 minutes Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. So two hands I have seen. Yes. Yes. One. Yes. You can raise the question. Uh, so very recently, we were in a workshop with uh, another professor. Um, he was basically, for what I understood, he had basically sort of rephrased everything we are taught in the university as Indian psychology, framed it in a little Western terms. But his concept was basically very similar. He was talking about um, developing something known as self-compassion. So, in the first half of your talk, you were talking about uh, you know you're the first person that you're responsible for. Uh, I am reminded of a question that a senior professor asked to this man because all of us were you know students in that uh, workshop. So, this very senior uh, lady professor asks this uh, person conducting the workshop that. This is a very serious problem that I feel. You ask me to have self-compassion, you know, take care of myself. But every time I go out, I have so many responsibilities at home. I can't do it. And she had she uh, sort of voice of what I think a lot of women. Yes. Yes. That I I become selfish if I you know become responsible for myself. So true. So that's why in the beginning itself I made a distinction because I know I have gone through this angst myself. It's not only ladies. I mean, all human beings with a sattvic nature. 
uh, in fact i can share with you on a very personal note why i turned towards shervindo i had read lot of books in western and eastern psychology and yoga and various things philosophy while doing my medical graduation but at the end of it they would talk about nirvana and i felt it's a damn selfish thing i'll escape while the rest of the creation continues to you know suffer so i very consciously chose not to take that path i said no i don't want nirvana i'll better be a good doctor and a good human being at least uh, some help it's only because for the first time in shurbindu i found a possibility not of individual salvation but of a new creation that i felt ah this is something worthwhile now here there are two ways of looking at it one is that i escape and i am happy and i am peaceful and blissful that's not what originally it meant that's our modern misunderstanding we have put into it buddha is not so petty he is mighty but it's about coming out from the field of ignorance so that i can recreate my life and my world so i can do it while being in the world the path of the gita or i can do it by temporarily withdrawing from the world we i can do either but it's not to escape from the world to but to reengage with the world in the true way it's like a child who is you know it doesn't know the law of things so many time parents have to say restrict them don't do this it's be harmful hurtful there is time time out there are you know uh, <laughs> you you have to be here why because uh, they are engaging with life in a way which is dangerous and harmful now we don't realize it because ignorance is so powerful that we think ah my duty i am doing in the right way but see what is the result of at the end of all this so it's we should not certainly we should not be selfish i mean any teaching which teaches us to be selfish should be thrown out of the window far away but it must teach us to reengage with life in the true way and the right way this is what i find in the life of buddha very interesting which is often missed out by modern commentators so we often say oh buddha left yashodra and went away yes true we think that he was very now look at this state here is a prince who has all the riches a beautiful wife a lovely child he has to be mad to leave them away we think it's so easy i mean he is a sensitive human being who is moved by the pain and misery of every damn creature who is even unconnected to him how can he just walk away like that i'm sure he must have gone through a lot of turmoil and then one day he realized no this is not the way every day we are fighting with each other my son doesn't this i'm just putting now this is hypothetical but look you know i mean i'm sure buddha had a normal life before he went away and then he realized no enough is enough i want the new way is there a way other than what i am doing till now and then he went and whatever six years he took he found the eight fold path what did he tell to people he didn't say this is a modern understanding that okay we become a bhikshu and as i said romtek monastery or you know i shave my head no buddha didn't teach that what is the middle path he he gave the middle path the path of balance of righteousness of dharma very similar to the vedic and you know he is called as anvedic or avedic or nastik which is not true at all he gave a path of dharma live according to that his understanding of dharma whatever he discovered but it's something luminous he said okay deal with each other keep your selfishness behind this what he taught so i know what happens is when we as you have rightly said we read it intellectually and we turn it and give it a spin i am well familiar with that kind of thought gone through that process avoid it
Don't listen. It's not a gospel truth that they are saying. Read directly the Gita. Gita will nowhere use a word like self-compassion. <laughs> it will say you are in ignorance. Come out of it. That can hardly be called self-compassion. In fact, in ignorance there is no compassion. It is pity. It is uh, something which does not like the suffering of others because it makes you feel pained. Or there is indifference, callousness. Compassion is by its nature a movement that develops when we have gone beyond the field of ignorance. Because then we can see the real causes and have the power to remove it. Pity doesn't give us the power. It gives us sympathy. Okay, I understand your pain. Yeah, and then after a while you also start crying. That doesn't help. It's a momentary thing. But compassion is very powerful. If you went to Buddha and said, Look, you know, I am having problems with this person, that person. Buddha will not give this uh, remedy. Have self-compassion first. Buddha will say, Because you are dealing with them in an ignorant way. You are dealing with them by the law of desire. Be with your wife, but without desire. That's what Yagnabalk says to his, his wife, Matri and Gargi. You can sit, no problem. So, she's the one who had asked for a second question, but I'll come to that. So, when Matri asked Yagnabalk that, you know, uh, how should I lead my life? Why does one love the wife? Why does one love the country? Why does one love the child? And what does uh, Yagnabalk says? He says, it, one does not love the wife for the sake of the wife, but for the sake of the self. One does not love the child for the sake of the child, but for the sake of the self. One does not love the country for the sake of the country, but for the sake of the self. Means, as is the self, so is my love. If my self is egoistic, my love is egoistic, it will be always faulty, full of flaws. But if my self is the true self, then would I not see in my wife and child also the same true self? Would I treat them as if they are my servants and slaves? I would help them in discovering their own highest potential in their own way. I'll not say my way or no way. I'll tell them, look, I'm here to facilitate your self-discovery by all means. And whatever you need, in whatever way, I'm here to help you, provide you. Even if you want to walk out of my life for, you know, whatever time, I would still love you because my love is not dependent on anything which would satisfy my desire. Isn't it a more powerful way of living? So obviously, I mean, as I said, these things would come by experience. Books will not give. But Buddha's story, I find this. Buddha returned back to Yashodra. He returned back. One of his first uh, persons whom he initiated is his son. Because he knew she would have suffered. So he comes and tells us, I am going to initiate you into the path I have discovered. Shurabindo tells his wife. I know I have the power to lift this fallen race. Would you come with me as my Shakti? It's a very touching letter. He says, would you be my Shakti? Nobody, even he came to Pondicherry, he did not leave her. He comes at a command because there is a work. He tells her that, you know, my will is no more mine, it's God's will. So all that he expects her to understand that, you know, I have to withdraw for a certain sadhana siddhi but you come with me and be my shakti so this withdrawal is a much later you know and this idea of self-compassion I, I agree it's not the right word it smacks of selfishness like people say first person you must love is yourself then you can love others I, I dislike this kind of talk when we don't even know love I love myself ignorantly that means I love my body the way I love another body that's not love. I don't even know love. I must first discover love. Then I can use the word love myself. It's a very big word. 
Yes, so so the whole idea of the first step is engage with this self-discovery. Now the beauty is you can do it while in life. You don't have to leave life. I mean, self-compassion is not a first step to, if we use the word again, I don't, like this word doesn't exist. Uh, it can coexist with world compassion. Just as I must work towards freeing myself from the clutch of suffering and ignorance, I can simultaneously work, but in the true way. I will not become an activist who is now distributing free medicines and building a hospital. Once I have the jnana, I discovered that, well, I may have all the free hospitals in the world, create an America in India, but still they will be suffering. More psychiatrists, more money, more uh, drugs. So I will rather work towards removing the true causes of suffering rather than the seemingly false and temporary causes. Yes, you had another question. Uh, my question was that uh, how do we engage in self-discovery when there is so much contamination in our thoughts? Yes, that's a very, again, a very practical question. So that's why uh, I think in the beginning I hinted at it, but I'll elaborate on it. It's so true and I am glad you have observed there is so much contamination. This world, as mother said, you breathe poison. You don't have to meet anyone. Just go to the market. You go thinking, I'll just see what Nehru street is like and you end up buying something. You didn't need it. You know, there is a shop in Pondicherry, um, 555, 1 kilo clothes. I am not advertising. I have gone there only once because I needed two pajamas. I went to the shop, picked up two pajamas and came out. But you know, you go there and you will end up buying this, that. Later on you will discover, why did I buy Neither I need it nor it is something but 555 rupees, 1 kilo. <laughs> there are 3-4 of them. One is nearest to the uh, you know ashram. So, you know, that's what life is. You breathe poison. You are in the company of somebody you breathe poison. So what do you do? So you have to find ways. That's why the need for isolating yourself. You know, we are so careful about physical contagion, aren't we? If you know somebody is having a serious disease, um, not dengue, what is it? Viral, chikungunya. Chikungunya is also mosquito. Some serious flu, influenza virus, swine flu. Will you just go there and say, ah, it doesn't matter, let's shake hands and have bonhomi? Are swine flu is curable, there is no problem, you will get rid of it within few days. Dengue is not serious. But look at it, we are in the company of all the time. So one has to be, to start with, careful about the company we keep. It should not be based on my relative, therefore I must, my chacha ka bhatija ka bua ki bache ka sadhi, so I must go. Why must I go? They'll misunderstand me. Let them misunderstand me. I have decided something, I have decided something. End of the story. Let them feel bad about it. This is not something that my going was contributing in a big way. It's okay if I don't go. Unless I enjoy. If I enjoy, I go, that's all, all right. But if we are serious about self-discovery, we must learn to now be careful about the company we keep. Sometimes even exchange of gifts. We have to make that choice. We have to make that discrimination. We have to be careful about the places we go. So there are places and people who nurture our aspiration. This is what I meant by satsang, who are like wonderful food. There are people and places which are like smoke and dust thrown on our aspiration. 
we should avoid that company even the gita says that don't speak about me to forces of you know hostile nature see sri krishna didn't give the gita to duryodhana how nice no he should have listened and changed he knew he is not ready avoid the company of those people avoid those places and finally avoid the company of those books we read all kinds of books particularly okay let me see another point of view so that another point of view is actually you know there there is no nothing like divine it's a hallucination now you know when we are unripe and we read, ah this point of view is also very right scholarly article 10 citations or 100 citations then we start quoting and we think you know jeffrey kripal says so and so and this x says so and so y says so and so you also say so and so and the geeta writes so and so so we have put all in a khichdi of waste paper basket so avoid the company of books which do not nurture the psychic flame but rather throw heaps on it so this should be our approach and still you cannot avoid completely so then practice equanimity and constant offering to the divine equanimity is not to be affected by people what they say do not say why because it's no more important for you why do we get affected because this person or what they say or don't say their opinion of me is important now if i don't give any importance the nalini dai in ashram somebody caught him on the way and started saying all kinds of insulting things very senior sadhaka 20 minutes he heard him after 20 minutes he says okay it's over i'll go now just went away why because it's unimportant why do we give importance so don't give importance because your importance is self discovery and finally as i said offer constantly remember the divine to be with you wherever you go so in the battlefield of life you have to go through battle terrible battle neither kauravas are of course what they are even pandavas or in their army all kinds of mixtures are there so what does arjuna do he says okay i am caught between this but you be with me be my charioteer make god your friend tell him everything and call him not only whenever you need but call him for the joy of it you don't call your friend only when you are in distress you call your friend because you take joy in his company sometimes you simply tell your friend i love you why no there is no reason i just felt like saying i love you god you're so beautiful that's it okay yeah on behalf of the uh, entire group i really like to thank dr alok pandey for such a enlightening talk and um, i think the take home very important message from his talk is you know that